इंट्रोडक्शन वेलकम टू अंगन a picturesque historic town situated in the heart of Ireland's ancient east located in the northwest of county kildare on the banks of the river slate and the grand canal the town lies on the edge of the vast expanses of ireland's largest peatland the bog of allen that defines the irish midlands this guide will walk you through the story of rathangan by visiting the many tangible reminders of the town's history and heritage. For centuries, Rathangan was at the heart of the ancient kingdom of Ifolia, which included parts of the modern-day counties of Kildare, Leash, and Offaly. You will hear stories about medieval battles and conflicts as various Norman factions battled the native Irish clans and each other for control of this region. The Fitzgerald family acquired the manor of Rathangan and in time they emerged as the dominant influence in the region. They became Lords of Offaly, Earls of Kildare and Dukes of Leinster as they rose to become one of the most powerful families in Ireland. The arrival of the Quakers in the late 17th century brought industry to Rathangan, while the arrival of the Grand Canal almost 100 years later brought a cheaper, speedier connection with the outside world. Much of the fine architecture and streetscapes of the town dates from this period. Further economic benefits arose in the 20th century when Bordnemona harnessed the bogs around Rathangan, creating local employment in the process. Over the centuries, noteworthy literary and cultural figures have called Rathangan home. Some of these figures have been forgotten in recent decades. This audio guide will explain their association with the area and give you an appreciation of their work. Rathangan is a busy town, so we recommend that you take care while walking between the various sites, especially when crossing the roads. Our tour begins at the northern end of the town at the Church of Ireland. which is at the end of a lovely tree-lined avenue just off Leinster Street. The Rath and Church of Ireland. In the field to the north of the Church of Ireland is the large ring fort or Rath, Rawungan from which Rathangan gets its name. You can get a good view of the fort from the churchyard. The scale of Rathangan's fort indicates its importance, but what is more significant is that it features in an ancient Irish poem written in the 8th century which is translated as follows. The fort opposite the oak wood. Once it was bridges, it was cahills, it was aids, it was alleys, it was cunnigs, it was coolingers, and it was maildoons. the fort remains after each in his turn and the kings asleep in the ground this short verse informs us that rawungan was a royal fort 
The seven generations who ruled here were kings of the Ifalia clan who lived and died in the 6th and 7th centuries. So we can say that the Rath is at least 1,500 years old. Rathangan is also mentioned in the ancient Irish annals, when Flahusa, son of Canaid, lord of Ifalia, was slain here in the early 9th century. Rats were defended farmsteads that date from the early medieval period. They were the most common form of rural settlement from around the 5th century to the 12th century AD. They typically consisted of a farmstead with wooden structures and animal pens, enclosed by a defensive bank and ditch. Some rats were larger than others, and some had multiple banks and ditches, and this is interpreted by archaeologists to relate to the status of the occupants. The more elaborate the fort, the higher rank of the family. This fort at Rathangan is a particularly impressive structure, with a raised platform 60 metres in diameter, encircled by a high raised bank and a wide, deep ditch. It was originally a bivalleted ring fort, with a second bank and ditch surrounding the existing one, though this outer fortification is no longer visible. The tall trees inside the fort were planted in the 18th century. There have been numerous attempts to interpret the meaning of this place name, and to answer the question, who was Ungarn? Traditionally, Ungarn was understood to be the name of a chieftain or king, and that Rathangan simply means Umgon's fort. More recent research points to the use of Umgon as an adjective by medieval Irish poets when referring to the courts or strongholds of ruling families, and that Ra Umgon means the royal fort. When the Normans arrived in Rathangan in the late 12th century, they drove the O'Connors out of their stronghold in Rathangan and seized the most fertile parts of the kingdom of Ifalia. They converted the fort at Rathangan into a ringwork castle, a defensive structure favoured by the Normans in the early years of their conquest of Ireland. This early fortification was superseded by a stone castle built around 400 metres to the southwest. No trace of the stone castle remains, but we will hear more about that later on our tour. Rathangan Church of Ireland is a 19th century Gothic-style building, and its location close to the Rath is no coincidence. This church occupies the site of the medieval parish church of Rathangan, which dates from Norman times. Ecclesiastical records mention a church here in the late 13th century, which was dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. This building survived for many centuries, but had fallen into ruin by 1744. The only visible hint of its existence is a grave marker close to the northeast corner of the present church. This is, in fact, a piece of a punch-dressed stone corbel, an architectural fragment from the original church. There are two notable graves in the graveyard with a 
tenuous connection between them, linked to the events of 1798, when the United Irishmen rose in rebellion against British rule. Their 200,000-strong movement was inspired by the wave of new political ideas that swept across Europe in the wake of the French Revolution. They sought to address poverty, to secure religious freedom and civil rights. In May of that year, their rebellion reached Rathangan. Captain James Spencer of Rathangan House is buried in the family tomb on the eastern side of the church. A prominent local land agent and a captain in the Yeomanry Militia, he was involved in searches for arms in the months prior to the rebellion. This appears to have made him a target, and he received a number of anonymous letters warning of a threat to his life in the months before his death. He was killed when rebels attacked his house. The local leader of the United Irishmen was Captain John Durley from Lullymore. He gained national fame for his leadership in several battles, including the Battle of Rathangan. He paid the ultimate price for his involvement with his execution in Mullingar in the aftermath of the failed uprising. He is also buried in this graveyard. His brother Michael lies alongside him and local tradition suggests that it was Michael who killed Captain Spencer. The headstone was erected by their father Thaddeus Durley, who died in 1821, aged 126 years. When you are ready, please make your way back down the avenue to the top of Leinster Street and turn to the next track. Leinster Street. As you emerge from the gateway of the Church of Ireland, note the two buildings which flank it on either side. Directly beside the gate to the south is the old Church of Ireland schoolhouse, which dates from the late 18th century. Restoration work carried out in the 1990s retains the building's architectural features and charm. It is now owned and managed by the Church of Ireland Local Committee. One notable past pupil was Sir Richard Griffith. A civil engineer by profession, he produced the first geological map of Ireland, but is best remembered for Griffith's valuation in the mid-19th century and his role in overseeing the valuation of every piece of land and building in Ireland. This mammoth task, undertaken so that rates could be levied on property, became his life's work. Today, Griffith's valuation is a vital genealogical resource. Amongst Griffith's first employers were the Bog Commissioners, and their first report to Parliament in 1810 featured Griffith's beautiful hand-drawn maps of the bogs in West Kildare and East Kings County, now County Offaly. These maps and accompanying survey work laid the foundations for the economic exploitation of Ireland's peat resources. Richard attended school here at the time of the 1798 rebellion when the school was attacked and the schoolmaster was murdered. In fact, 
The young Richard had a lucky escape when he was mistaken for a rebel and threatened with execution before a local magistrate recognised him and came to his rescue. To the north of the church gates is the Garda station. For much of the 20th century, it was the Boys National School. Built in 1910, this small two-room schoolhouse educated generations of young boys. Locals still recall a time when lighting the turf fire in each room was a much sought-after task. In the triangular green across the road, there is a circular flower bed with a plaque commemorating Bithia Mary Croker. This prolific novelist who once lived in Rathangan is one of the forgotten figures of Irish literature. Bithia Mary Shepherd was born in County Down in 1850 and raised in County Roscommon. In 1871, she married Lieutenant John Croker in Rathangan. She lived in Oakley House, a large period house on the Port Arlington Road, for about five years before she moved to India with her husband. It was here that her writing career flourished, and over the following decades she produced more than 50 works. Her first novel, Proper Pride, became well known when British Prime Minister William Gladstone was observed reading it in the House of Commons during a particularly long and boring debate. Her novels were romantic, semi-autobiographical, and had a strong sense of place. At least one of them, Bridget, published in 1918, contains references to Rathangan. In her later years, B.M. Croker moved to England, and in a letter to an Irish friend, she stated, It is strange to me that I never receive any acknowledgement from my native land as an Irish novelist. Thanks to the people of Rathangan, she is now remembered. When you are ready, please make your way down Leinster Street towards the centre of the town and turn to the next track. Market Square. As you walk along Leinster Street, you will notice many fine examples of Georgian architecture. These buildings date from the late 18th and early 19th centuries. They reflect a period of prosperity and growth in Rathangan following the arrival of the Grand Canal in 1784. Architectural features to note along the street include semicircular fanlights above the doorways, cast iron railings, the carriage archways leading to the rear of the properties, and the cut stone windowsills and doorsteps. Leinster Street takes its name from the Dukes of Leinster, who owned much of Rathangan in times past. Although Rathangan lay on the frontier between the native Irish and the Anglo-Normans, it was a dispute between the Fitzgeralds and the Norman Earl of Ulster which led to the burning of the town and original fortification near the end of the 13th century. Edward I subsequently instructed his representatives in Ireland to grant Fitzgerald 
a service to pay for the strengthening of a fortress in Rathangan. Fitzgerald got his grant with the condition stating that he shall not put hand to money or provisions until he begin to build. Rathangan recovered quickly as Gerald Fitzgerald held his court here in 1308. The new fortifications were strong enough to withstand an attack by the army of Scottish noble Edward Bruce, who passed through Rathangan on his Irish campaign in 1316. The O'Connors succeeded in taking back control of Rathangan for a short period in the 1400s, and the annals tell us of a great festival hosted by Margaret O'Connor, the wife of the chieftain, in 1433. Market Square is the commercial heart of Rathangan, and has been since the Normans arrived in the late 12th century. The town's street pattern reflects its historical development and the natural constraints imposed by the River Slate and Grand Canal to the south. Today, the Market Square is still the commercial heart of Rathangan. Rathangan's prosperity in the 20th century owes much to the economic exploitation of a resource that is plentiful in the surrounding countryside. Turf from the peat bogs. In the 1930s, the Irish government began a drive to harness the potential of Irish boglands. The outbreak of World War II increased the demand for this native source of fuel. As it was located on the fringe of the vast Bog of Allen, Rathangan was at the centre of this economic drive. The Turf Development Board, later Board Namona, developed a plant at Ballydermot to the north of Rathangan and built a hostel, known locally as The Camp, at nearby Killen Thomas Wood to house the new workforce. The prospect of regular pay and accommodation attracted men from all over Ireland to the Midlands to work in the bogs at a time when employment opportunities were scarce. As the industry grew, many of the new workforce settled in Rathangan and raised families. It has been said locally that only for Bordnamona, grass would have grown on the streets of Rathangan. When you are ready, please bear left at the square, past the water pump, and make your way down New Street and turn to the next track. New Street. An array of impressive public buildings line New Street. The first of these on your left is the former St. Patrick's Church, now the community centre. The foundation stone was laid in 1816, and an inscription tells us that the entire edifice has been raised in six months, notwithstanding the general depression and consequent distress of that time. This church is notable in that it was built before Catholic emancipation in 1829, the harsh penal laws of the 18th century, which had hindered the building of Catholic churches, were being gradually relaxed at this time. 
A later addition to the structure is the distinctive Italianate square tower, built around 1860. Today, the former church is Rathangan's community centre. The entrance to the churchyard is flanked by two small buildings. During the 19th century, these were the Boys and Girls National Schools. The girls' school is to the left, and the stone plaque over the door indicates that it was built in 1826. The former boys' school on the other side of the gate opened just a few years later, in 1830. The registers from the boys' school from 1841 to 1940 are held in the National Library and provide valuable insights into the social history of Rathangan. A notable past pupil of this school was Ned Broy, who was born in Ballinure, northwest of Rathangan, in 1887. He played a vital role as an IRA intelligence agent during the Irish War of Independence between 1919 and 1921. As a detective sergeant in the Dublin Metropolitan Police, he acted as a double agent. He passed on information about the identities and activities of British agents to IRA leader Michael Collins. In April 1919, Broy smuggled Collins into the archives of the DMP's intelligence unit, known as G-Division. Collins used the information he gathered to deadly effect, and numerous spies were eliminated. Broy accompanied Collins to London during the treaty negotiations and supported the Anglo-Irish Treaty of 1921. After the War of Independence, he served in the National Army before joining on Garda Shikona, where he rose to the rank of Commissioner. Broy was President of the Olympic Council of Ireland from 1935 to 1950. Continue down New Street for 200 metres to another building that was at the heart of ecclesiastical and educational life in Rathangan for generations. The Mercy Sisters arrived in Rathangan in 1875 at the invitation of the local parish priest, Father John Nolan. Five nuns travelled from Shrewsbury in England, but two of them were in fact natives of Dublin. Four years later, the convent building was completed and was home to a community of around 15 nuns for most of the 20th century, until the building was sold in 1990. Although now in private ownership, the old convent is still an impressive structure. The nuns remained on in Rathangan until 2017, when the last two Mercy Sisters departed. The modern Catholic Church of the Assumption in St. Patrick stands in contrast to the older architectural heritage of Rathangan. Its tall, conical bell tower and striking façade sets it apart in the streetscape. The church interior is just as impressive and is noted for its barrel-vaulted ceiling. The organ and the bell were brought from St. Patrick's Church, now the community centre. Ruthangan builder Andrew Cross began work in 1955 with local labour. Help from Bordnamona workers, along with community fundraising, 
were vital in the completion of the work. The church was consecrated in 1958. When you are ready, please continue along the footpath past the school and around the bend. Cross the road carefully when you see the sign for our next stop, the Quaker Cemetery. The Quakers in Rathangan. The Quaker Cemetery dates from 1752, but before that burials usually took place in the Friends Graveyard in Edenderry, or in the Sleeping Place in Rosanales. There are few grave markers, as these were forbidden up to the 1800s. The scattering of plain grave markers that you can see are testament to the simplicity of the Quaker faith. In recent years, Rathangan Tidy Towns has taken the cemetery under its care and erected wall plaques with the names of around 200 people interred here. This undoubtedly reflects an ongoing regard for the part that the Quakers played in the story of Rathangan. They were known and respected for their industriousness, kindness and political neutrality during the rebellion and at other times of strife. Quakers, also known as the Society of Friends, arrived in Ireland in the aftermath of the Cromwellian conquest of the 1650s. They were present in the Midlands in the 1670s and the Fales and Stevensons were amongst the first families to settle in Rathangan. The first recorded Quaker birth in Rathangan was John Gavin, who was born in 1679 to parents James and Eleanor. Local Quakers would gather in the meeting house every Sunday and on other days for silent worship. This practice is unique to the Quaker faith and does not involve preaching, reading or any kind of sacraments. The group sits in silence, but any member may speak and minister to the group when they feel moved by the Spirit of God to do so. The Rathangan meeting was held in John Stevenson's house in Kilnantic from 1712 to 1728 and in various private houses in Rathangan thereafter. In 1752, they leased a plot of land from the Duke of Leinster for the cemetery and a meeting house. The meeting house remained in use until 1918, while friends from Edenderry and beyond boosted the numbers attending the Rathangan meeting, the local community was quite small, and by 1865 there were just 11 members and one non-member affiliated to the Rathangan meeting. From the cemetery, retrace your steps towards the centre of Rathangan, but on the opposite side of New Street. In many towns where they settled, Quakers became synonymous with commerce and industry. Rathangan was no different, and they were involved in farming, the linen and wool industry, and milling. Hidden behind trees is the site of the former Sally Corn Mill and the mill owner's house. A handsome 
and distinctive yellow brick bridge over the River Slate was built to provide access. Twin mill races channeled water from a stream which rises near the Hill of Allen to provide power for the mill. In 1800, Jeremiah Hanks and his wife Sarah acquired possession of the mill. This Quaker family continued to operate the mill for the next 100 years and more. Other Quaker family names such as Pym, Gatchell, Odlum and Goodbody occur in the pages of Rathangan's history. They made important contributions to the economic and social life of the town. When you are ready, please continue along New Street towards our next stop, the Maura Laverty Memorial. Maura Laverty and the Pound Continue along New Street until you reach the memorial to Maura Laverty, which is set back from the street between two flower beds opposite the community centre gate. Mora's family moved to Rathangan from County Kilkenny in the early 1900s, and she was born in nearby Bridge Street in 1907. During her successful literary career, Mora displayed wide-ranging talents as a novelist, columnist, scriptwriter and cookery expert. Her output was prolific from the 1920s to her untimely death in 1966. She wrote four romantic novels during the 1940s. Two of these were based on her life in Rathangan. Her cookery book, Full and Plenty, published in 1960, can still be found in many Irish kitchens. Her award-winning play, Talca Row, was performed internationally during the 1950s. It went on to inspire Ireland's first homegrown TV soap opera in the 1960s. Her novels, Never No More and Alone We Embark, are most closely associated with Ruthangan. They caused a stir in the community when they were published in the 1940s, Many of the fictional characters were clearly based on local people and the portrayals were not always favourable. The memorial to Maura Laverty is beside an enclosure with a curved wall. 19th century Ordnance survey maps indicate that this was the site of Rathangan's Pound. This held stray animals such as cattle, sheep, horses and donkeys until they could be reclaimed by their owners. Fines were payable if the animals had caused damage to land or property. When you are ready, please continue down the pathway to the banks of the River Slate. River Slate The River Slate is an important feature of Rathangan. The origin of the river's name is something of a mystery. It is marked as the Rathangan River on two separate 18th century maps and is called the Little Barrow River on the Bog Commissioner's map of 1810. The name Slate River first appears on the Ordnance Survey map in the 1830s. 
The Irish name for the river is Antaree, meaning the Leet. This is another term for a mill stream, an artificial water channel built to supply water to a mill. The river and its banks are a wildlife corridor and home to a variety of species of plants and animals. Grey herons can be spotted standing motionless in the water. They prey upon the freshwater white-clawed crayfish, Ireland's only native river-based crustacean. Swans, kingfishers, grey wagtails and dippers can also be seen. Several species of butterflies, such as the common blue, orange tip and small tortoiseshell, flutter between the flowers along the banks. Otters are also present in and around the river. The slate is also home to fish such as brown trout, eel and minnow. Among the many flowers that grow along the riverbank, yellow irises stand out due to their height and colour. But other flowers that you can admire include knapweed, bush vetch and cuckoo flower. All of these are important for pollinators. In the late evenings, bats swoop through the air. Species that can be seen and heard include Dobenton's bat, Soprano pipistrels, common pipistrels, and Lyser's bats. Many of the plants and animals found along the slate are protected by law. Keeping this natural area clean and unpolluted allows these creatures to flourish. When you are ready, please continue along the riverside walk until you emerge onto Bridge Street and turn left to cross the bridge. William Byrne and the Canal Stores The riverside walk emerges onto the street close to the bridge over the slate. This three-arch stone bridge dates from the 18th century and has a pedestrian underpass built into the structure. After crossing the bridge, there are two features to note on either side of the road. To the left stands part of the former malt house. This was one of the major enterprises in Rathangan from the mid-19th century until the early 21st century. It was operated by the Murphy family for much of this period. The process of malting grain required a lot of floor space and a ready supply of local labour. Indeed, old maps show that the premises was very extensive around the early 1900s. Later on, steel grain silos dominated the skyline of Rathangan before they were dismantled in 2004. Without a doubt, the location adjacent to the canal was advantageous for an industry of this nature, and the Murphys were also amongst the first barge owners to install Bollinger diesel engines on their barges. On earlier maps, the malt house is marked as the site of a police barracks. This was the epicentre of activity in Rathangan in late May 1798, during the rebellion of the United Irishmen. Rebels seized this building, and during the struggle, many of the local yeomanry militia were killed. 
the rebels drained the canal to prevent militia reinforcements arriving at the town. Eventually, Crown reinforcements under Colonel Longfield arrived and between 50 and 60 rebels were killed in the ensuing exchanges. No prisoners were taken. Later, this area became known locally as Waterloo, and tradition has it that soldiers wounded in the Battle of Waterloo in 1815 were brought here to recover. Across the road is a monument to William A. Byrne, another notable literary figure from Rathangan. A poet, literary critic and academic, he was part of the Gaelic revival of the early 20th century. Byrne moved in the same circles as W.B. Yeats, James Joyce and George Russell. His volume of poetry, A Light on the Broom, published in 1901 under the pen name William Dara, was well received by his contemporaries. Byrne's poetry was spiritual and mystical and drew inspiration from nature and the countryside around Rathangan, notably the Bog of Allen. Byrne was also close to Thomas Macdonough, a fellow poet executed for his part in the Easter Rising of 1916. In fact, Byrne succeeded Macdonough as lecturer in English at University College Dublin. He later became Professor of English at University College Galway. The purple heather planted around the monument evokes Byrne's poem of the same name which celebrates the work of turf cutters. We cleave the sodden shelving bank in sunshine and in rain that men by winter fires may thank the wielders of the slain. Facing the monument, there are two footpaths. The one on the right brings you down steps into Tannery Park, and we will visit the park later in the guide. Instead, to continue our tour, take the path to your left, towards the footbridge, and join the old towpath along the banks of the Grand Canal. Tannery Park and Spencer Bridge As you walk along the towpath, Tannery Park is located to your right. This is an oasis of calm between the Slate River and the Grand Canal. During the 1990s, it was developed by the local community with tree planting and seating, and is now a popular amenity with a network of footpaths. A children's playground was added in 2014. The park takes its name from a tannery enterprise which operated here in the 1950s. It manufactured leather goods, mainly for export, but was short-lived and closed around 1960. Prior to this, there was a malt house here which is depicted on old Ordnance survey maps. A third malt house, known as Ansborough Malt House, which began its life as a fulling mill in the 1700s, was located further downstream beside the next bridge over the River Slate. This mill is also depicted on Ordnance survey maps from the 19th and early 20th centuries. Our journey along the towpath starts at Rathangan Bridge. 
This humpback bridge is known locally as Balloon Bridge because its reflection in the canal waters resembles a balloon. A full appreciation of Rathangan's story would be incomplete without mentioning the Grand Canal. The construction of the Grand Canal was one of the great engineering feats of late 18th-century Ireland. It began in 1756 with the aim of linking Dublin with the Shannon. As the canal was being built, branch lines, such as the Barrow Line, were added. Rathangan is on the Barrow Line, which links Dublin to Athy by canal and Athy to Waterford via the River Barrow. The construction of the canal was originally funded by grants from the Irish Parliament and Dublin Corporation. But, faced with spiralling costs due to the challenge of crossing the Bog of Allen, funding stalled. To progress the project, a group of nobles and merchants formed the Grand Canal Company to raise the money to complete the task. The development of the canal meant that goods and people could be transported faster and more cheaply than by road. Canal barges were towed by teams of horses using towpaths along either side of the canal. Passenger and goods services, transporting grain, malting barley and turf, operated along the canal from the earliest days. This was undoubtedly a boost to the commercial life of Rathangan, and many locals were employed on canal barges. The towpath brings you to the canal double lock and lockkeeper's house at Spencer Bridge. The canal lock is used to control water levels and allows barges to move up and down levels. An unusual feature of the bridge are the curved flanking walls. There is speculation that this was a result of a miscalculation with measurements, which meant that the canal lock was closer to the bridge than intended. The long hours that the lock keepers worked indicates that there was considerable traffic on the canal, but the position was a prized one and in Rathangan it was passed down through several generations of the same family. A plaque on Spencer Bridge with the year 1784 allows us to precisely date the arrival of the canal to Rathangan. The bridge was named in honour of Captain James Spencer, who met a gruesome end during the 1798 rebellion. Commercial traffic on the canal ceased in the 1960s. Today, the old towpaths are part of the Barrow Way, a long-distance walking route connecting Robertstown in County Kildare with St Mullins in County Carlow. When you are ready, retrace your steps back along the canal and turn left before Rathangan Bridge to enter Tannery Park. Take a seat while you listen to the story of Rathangan Castle. Rathangan Castle You can pause at one of the benches in Tannery Park to hear the story of one of Rathangan's lost historic treasures. Rathangan Castle was situated on the opposite bank of the River Slate. 
No trace of the castle remains today, nor do we have any images of the structure. But we know from old maps that it was located within the grounds of Rathangan Lodge. This was an Anglo-Norman castle built in the early 14th century to replace the earlier ringwork castle at the Rath. It was constructed by the Fitzgerald family, who were granted the Earldom of Kildare in 1316 for their services to the Crown in combating Edward Bruce. In fact, the castle had withstood the efforts of Edward's army to take it. A description from 1540 tells us, The chief house of the manor of Rathangan is a certain castle surrounded by stone walls sufficiently repaired, situated in the confines of the English land in Ireland on the borders of the county of Offaly, where O'Connor with his adherents dwell, and very necessary for the protection and defence of the subjects of the Lord the king in these parts. The proximity of the castle to the territory of the O'Connors meant that it was the scene of constant strife. Indeed, the O'Connors held the castle for a period in the 15th century and ruled from here before it was recovered by the Fitzgeralds. The castle saw some action during the rebellion of Silken Thomas Fitzgerald, who rose against Henry VIII in 1534. Known as Silken Thomas because of his fine clothes and silken banners, he rebelled due to the mistaken belief that his father, the ninth Earl of Kildare, had been executed in London. In April 1535, Rathangan Castle was taken and garrisoned by the English, but was recaptured by Silken Thomas in July of that year. The English retook the castle shortly thereafter. They installed Thomas's uncle, Sir James Fitzgerald, who opposed the rebellion, to maintain a loyal presence there. However, Sir James's loyalty did not prevent him from being associated with his nephew's treason. In February 1537, Silken Thomas, along with Sir James and his four brothers, were executed in London. Henry VIII saw an opportunity to curb the power of Ireland's greatest noble family, and the Fitzgeralds were stripped of their lands. Their lands were restored during the brief reign of Henry's successor, Edward IV, and Silken Thomas's younger brother, Gerald, became Earl of Kildare. The Fitzgeralds acquired the title Dukes of Leinster in 1776. It is believed that Rathangan Castle was demolished in the 1750s and that the stone was used for the construction of Rathangan Lodge. When you are ready, please make your way back to the centre of Rathangan. Conclusion We hope you enjoyed your tour around Rathangan. There are many more interesting sights and stories to be found in the surrounding area. The Boglands of Ireland provided a refuge for holy men seeking solitude and seclusion in early Christian Ireland. One such man was a bishop named Erk, a disciple of St. Patrick, 
who founded a monastic community at Lullimore, about 10 kilometres northeast of Rathangan. Today, the award-winning Lullimore Heritage and Discovery Park recalls the story of this ecclesiastical settlement. The park is the place to discover how the people of this area are now at the dawn of a new and greener relationship with the surrounding bogs and is also home to a range of fun family activities and facilities recounting the history and heritage of the area. Also located in Lullymore is the Bog of Allen Nature Centre run by the Irish Peatlands Conservation Council. This promotes understanding, research and education about Irish bogs with the aim of ensuring their future conservation. Killen Thomas Wood lies just off the road towards Edenderry, three kilometres north of Rathangan. The local community, in conjunction with Quilcher, have developed 10 kilometres of short-looped walking trails through this tranquil woodland. Wild flowers cover the forest floor throughout the summer, and the highlight is in May, when bluebells and wild garlic are abundant. The wood was also home to temporary camps that accommodated Bordnemona workers in the 1940s. This audio guide was produced by Abarta Heritage and narrated by Jerry O'Brien on behalf of Rathangan Tidy Towns. We would like to thank Kildare County Council, Rathangan Tidy Towns volunteers, local historians Lawrence Fulham and Seamus Kelly, Rathangan History Group, and Lullymore Heritage and Discovery Parks manager Ray Stapleton. To hear more stories about Ireland, please visit abartaheritage.ie.